the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Are you ready for some football? It's the Steelers and the Giants on Monday Night Football tonight. I'm pretty sure you're aware of that. Uh, Pretty big deal around here with Ben Roethlisberger coming back. But um, what everybody, was well, not everybody, but a lot of people, I guess, are waiting to see is what kind of ratings the NFL will be getting with all the social justice virtue signaling going on. And there's been a lot of it, and, and I'm sure you've noticed that if you watched over the weekend. The opener on Thursday night was off a little bit from last year, uh, and the early numbers for Sunday's games are not good uh, for yesterday's games. Uh, the Cowboys and the Rams averaged 15.14 million viewers, according to Nielsen. That was last night's uh, primetime game. And by the way, that uh, show, the Sunday Night Football, is the number one rated show, has been the number one rated show in television. That's down 21% from last year uh, when the Steelers and the Patriots played on September 28th. That drew 19.2 million. The 24 to 49 demo was down from 6.6 to 4.9. That's a big drop, um, and um, and that's a, actually a huge drop. But there was the expected uh, social justice messaging going on with uh, players kneeling for the anthem or not coming out of the locker room for the anthem. One team, I forget which one uh, it is now, um, stood for the black national anthem and knelt or kneeled. I don't know if it's knelt or kneeled anymore. Anyway, they they were on their knees for the uh, Star Spangled Banner. Uh, players have the names of black people who were shot by cops written on the backs of their helmets. You could see that uh, all day long. And there were messages in the end zone at the stadiums. The football was actually pretty good, considering there were no preseason games. Uh, and you know that uh, you knew that Tom Brady playing his first game for the Tampa Bay Bucks was going to get a pretty good number. But the overall ratings have to have people in the NFL a little bit worried about where this is going. And tonight will be another indication. It's Monday night. Um, and the first Monday night game, actually two games on tonight, and um, that's uh, that, that, that'll be we'll have some numbers on that tomorrow. But uh, the Giants and the Steelers is not exactly a big, big game nationally. Obviously, it's going to be big here and in New York, and that'll give them some good numbers. But uh, nationally, it'll be interesting to see what kind of number they get. Meanwhile, we still have an election uh, coming up. It's 50 days away, and we still have riots. Uh, there was a riot in Lancaster last night, Lancaster, PA, because a white cop shot a black guy. Now, apparently, the fact that the black guy was coming at the cop with a knife does not overcome the news that it was a black guy shot by a white cop, so it was time to riot, which they did. And coming up after the break, we're going to get a little history lesson on riots, uh, something, uh, well, they sometimes known as uh, race riots and how they may not have all that much to do with race going all the way back to the 60s. And that's where we're going to get the history lesson from when we come back after the break. And coming up in our second half hour, we're going to talk about the coming coup with a guy who used to be part of President's, uh, President Trump's national security team. He believes that that's what the Democrats are planning, a coup. Lots of scary stuff today. Plenty of stupid stuff, too, as usual. Coming up, stick around. Hey, John Stoggerwald here. I'm just here to tell you how much I love my pillow and how it's changed my sleep. Check out the new mattress topper. That's really amazing. Now, I don't know if I love my pillow or the my pillow mattress topper more. Get a my pillow mattress topper and get some of the best sleep of your life. Now, it comes with a 10 year warranty and a cover that's washable and dryable. And it's made in the USA and backed with Mike Lindell's 60-day money-back guarantee. Just go to MyPillow.com and save 30%. Use promo code STAG or call 800-716-8087. When you do, Mike gives you two standard MyPillows free. That's MyPillow.com, promo code STAG, or call 800 716 Eight zero eight seven. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit my 
Trump.com. You've heard all the lies about President Trump. Trump is a racist. Trump is Putin's pet. Here's the truth. Trump is the most effective conservative president that America has had in decades. And every lie they spread about him is targeting you. This is Kurt Schlichter, and my new book is called The 21 Biggest Lies About Donald Trump and You. It does what no other book does. It knocks down the 21 biggest lies about our president with facts and logic and humor. Trump obstructed justice. Trump hates immigrants. These are big lies, and the reason for the lies is simple. President Trump is the first president in a long time to stand up for the Constitution and for conservative principles. And when the left wants to tear down everything this country stands for, my new book, The 21 Biggest Lies About Donald Trump and You, explains why this president's courage and common sense are exactly what we need today. This is the most important book of the year. Read it and you'll agree. The 21 Biggest Lies About Donald Trump and You by me, Kurt Schlichter. Get it wherever books are sold. If you're an employer, a business owner, if you have 5 to 100 employees, listen up. The cost of doing business continues to skyrocket, strangling your HR department with more regulations, administrative duties, and liability than ever. I'm John Steigerwald. Your health plan's a big part of that cost. Another year, another 10% rate hike, another $1,000 increase on your deductible, another hospital or doctor you can't go to because they're not in the network. Isn't it time for a change? Well, stop the insanity and call Marley Financial, the most innovative agency in the industry. Put an end to the annual increase. Give your employees a national network that all hospitals accept and reduce your monthly premiums by 20 to 30%. It doesn't matter when your renewal is. Marley can help today. Call 724-884-1496. Marley Financial, 724-884-1496. 724-884-1496. Hey, y'all. Hey. We're Diamond and Silk. You've seen us on TV and social media. Or maybe you read our new book, Uprising. Who the hell said you can't ditch and switch? Now, we're here to tell you about what's next. An exclusive video event, Diamond and Silk Unscripted. With the one and only Larry Elder. We'll be telling our truth about who we are and how it all began. How our faith gave us the courage and freedom to speak our minds and not allow anyone to dictate our destiny or our future. We will talk about the world we grew up in, mm-hmm. what led us to rebel against that world, and how rebellion led us to speak out on politics and reach millions of viewers. It's an exclusive video event from Salem Now. Diamond and Silk Unscripted with Larry Elder. Oh, you don't want to miss this. So log on to SalemNow.com. That's SalemNow.com for Diamond and Silk with Larry Elder. This is the John Stacker Walt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. 50 days until the election. The rioting is still going on. Uh, The latest, as I mentioned a minute ago, was in Lancaster, PA, last night. They're rioting over a white cop killing a black man who just happened to be running toward him with a knife. In other words, a justified shooting. Seems like a poor excuse for a riot, but maybe there's no need for an excuse. Catherine C. Gorka is the director of the Heritage Foundation Center for Civil Society and the American Dialogue. And she says history tells us there's very little about them that is spontaneous, the riots, I mean. She joins us now. Catherine, thanks for being here. Hey, John. Happy to be here. So I was around for the riots in the 60s. I'm kind of old. But um, what did today's riots have in common with those? I know it's a, you wrote a really long piece at the Federalists, and I don't have enough time to go into all the detail, but if you can give us the Cliff Notes version. Well, the, the one salient detail is the fact that those riots that erupted around 1967 did not just happen spontaneously. Uh, individuals, particularly those from Students for a Democratic Society, the Marxist organization, had been working in various cities for three years, stoking grievances and actually even teaching people how to make Molotov cocktails and bringing people in to incite violence. So I think that's the really important detail. Um, there was legitimate grievance the way there is today, but the fact is I don't know that those grievances would have turned into riots without the deliberate stoking of the grievances that went on beforehand. Yeah, and who was Eugene Methvin, and what did he find out? Ah, 
such a wonderful hero who we really don't know much about anymore. He was, at the time, uh, a young journalist working for the Reader's Digest, which back in the 60s was probably the leading publication in the United States. Big and deal, he was, yeah. yeah, he was given the task by his editor of finding out what was behind the communist riots. This is something that's little known, but in 1960, President Eisenhower was supposed to go to Tokyo, and the trip was canceled because of, quote, communist riots. And so uh, DeWitt Wallace, who was Methvin's boss, said, how do we know it's communists behind the riots? And if you're a communist, how do you start a riot? So Eugene Methvin spent 10 years trying to answer those questions. And he did, and it was incredible. And he figured out not only how do you prove they're communists, but he also figured out how do you start a riot. And these are the questions that our media and our members of Congress and our law enforcement officers need to be asking today. Right. And and what is communist riot diplomacy? Uh, it's just the idea that you you use a riot, you instigate grievances and use a riot to bring about the revolution, to overthrow the system that you have. And and we're seeing the same thing here. You know, when you when you see these Black Lives Matter demonstrations, these quote peaceful demonstrations, they all use the word revolution. Do we know what they mean by revolution? They want to overthrow the system that we have. They don't want capitalism. They don't want our free market democracy. They want to overthrow it, and they want socialism. Yeah, and so we know that Black Lives Matter is a Marxist organization uh, with leaders, by the way, who were taught by old-timers from way back in the 60s. What might the current leaders have learned? I'm talking about the current leaders of Black Lives Matter. What might they have learned from those riots in Newark back in 1967, and how is that tied to what's happening now? I mean, you mentioned that it's all about stoking grievances, but just a little bit more specifically, if you can. Yeah, so, well, it is, I mean, it is importantly about stoking grievances, but it's also, it's also about organizing. And you see this in the language of, you know, you can see it in the language of the 60s, you can see it in the language of Black Lives Matter today. They don't make any secret about it. They talk about the fact that they've been out there organizing. Even the New York Times talks about the fact that they're out there organizing, meaning they know how to create groups in the community that will respond when a response is needed. When there's an incident that could spark a riot, they know what to do, how to communicate, who to communicate with to get people to go out there. So the, the George uh, Floyd incident is, seems to be what uh, well, was what uh, sparked this whole thing, uh, and then there have been other incidents since then. Um, but uh, so... What you're saying and what what Methvin, uh, more so what Methvin discovered, I guess, is that people uh, in Black Lives Matter, uh, in that organization, were prepared for something like the George Floyd incident to pounce on. So if it wasn't George Floyd, it would have been something else, just maybe, you know, something else that came down the road later? Yes. Hundred percent, and yeah, I mean that 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 that's it. Um, they were getting they were getting us ready, and and the leaders of Black Lives Matter today talk about the fact that they've been organizing and working on this for the past three years. So we shouldn't be surprised, um, and we should look to the history to, to to tell us. The unfortunate thing is, though, you know, the same thing happened back in the '60s that's happened today, which is you you had mainstream media, and you even had the gover- a government commission, the Kerner Commission, who mm-hmm. all say, oh, this, all, this is only happening because of racism, right? They, they gloss over the evidence of the provocation. And I think it does a real disservice because the lesson of the 60s was those riots had a really negative long-term effect on the black people that they were supposedly helping. It had a negative long-term effect over decades, actually, over three decades in terms of hurting black property values and black employment. And so the irony that today that BLM and other groups are saying that they're helping black people, it's absolutely not true. It's going to hurt black people in the long run. Yeah, and I was around, uh, and, and we're talking to Catherine Gorka. She's written this piece at The Federalist. You should check it out at federalist.com. Um, 
I, I, as I said, I was around for those riots in the 60s, uh, late 60s and early 70s. And uh, reading your piece, I'm trying to think back to I don't remember ever thinking that there was anything that the communists might have had anything to do with the, the what they were then called race riots. Uh, obviously, after Martin Luther King was shot, uh, that was a big deal, obviously, and that that I don't know you could have, that that might have happened with, without any provocation, obviously. But but also there was the Vietnam War back then. So the the communists, the people who were accused of being associated with communists, were the Tom Haydens, who you mentioned in your piece, and the SDS, the Students for Democratic Society. But they were more um, identified with the Vietnam War than they were with the with the the riots, and that was, I can remember it being, uh, you were being told that it was about nothing but race, and that nothing I know, to do with communists. I, I know, I think, I think, you know, I think what, what Mespin uncovered was really important, and unfortunately his book didn't come out till, I want to say it came out in 1970, um, and, and what's interesting as well, so the, the big official study of the riots, what caused the riots, right? President Johnson called for a study, and they, they had this thing called the Kerner Commission. And it's mm-hmm. interesting, I mentioned this in my article, um, everybody on the Kerner Commission was not in agreement over their ultimate conclusion, but the left-leaning members of the commission held sway. And so it was their interpretation that meant that the commission report came out and said, no, it was simply racism. And I think it's super important for us, for for peace-loving Americans, for those of us who recognize that without law and order, you end up on the road to tyranny. We need to revise these, revive these lessons of the 1960s and look really hard at what's going on behind the scenes with these riots. Yeah, I saw a, uh, and I thought of this, uh, I saw the, um, this thing on Twitter before I read your piece today. Uh, someone had a picture of um, a riot or a demonstration, or, or I guess it's a combination of both somewhere. I forget where it was. It must have been Portland. But the 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 uh, caption on the picture was, "This is finding a black person in this crowd is like finding Waldo." Uh, they were all they were all white kids. They were all young white people, and yeah. you write about that in your piece that way back in the '60s it was white spoiled white kids, many of them from rich families, who exploited blacks in the '60s to help start the revolution that they were all excited about starting. And then, and then exactly. as you mentioned, it hurt the blacks more than anybody. Exactly. It's such an important point. Yes. So, so it's white kids uh, now. It's a, a, I, I've been noticing that a lot. I've been looking at these same things and seeing so many uh, white, and they're mostly, you know, white college age kids or maybe thirty years old that look like they 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 are college kids because of the way they dress, but they look like pretty much the same um, demographic. And they're wearing their Black Lives Matter shirts or carrying their Black Lives Matter signs. And when I read your piece about how oh, way back in in the Newark, over 50 years ago, um, that it was white people who were stirring up black people and then to 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 foment or to uh, to implement their own revolution at the expense of black people, and nobody knows it's happening. Yeah. I know, 100%. Now, I will say this. Look, I, don't, I didn't want to imply that it's only white people that are causing, that, causing this and black people have no agency in this. And even back right. in the 60s, you know, there were, there were blacks playing a very important role. Just look at the role of Stokely Carmichael. Yeah, right? Black Panthers, yeah. Black, black revolutionary who, who really called for violence. I didn't, I didn't even touch on him, I don't think, in the article. Mm-hmm. And he, he did play a very important role. But I, I wanted to focus in particular on the Students for a Democratic Society and these, these white kids that went out there. They worked in 10 cities for three years in the Northeast because they saw this as a way to bring about their revolution. And they were going and visiting, you know, Cubans and visiting the radicals in Puerto Rico. Um, they wanted a Marxist revolution, and they went out and used black people to try to achieve it. And I think that's shameful. And I think we need to talk about this as Americans. And I think a lot of what's going on today is equally shameful. And you might be able to uh, justify it in some way if, if in the process of, of um, 
uh, enabling their revolution, they actually helped black people, but they yeah. didn't. Right. It was the act. It was the opposite. Right. Ex- so exactly. They really did, so well, they really and, did. And, ex- and I think the them. most. I think the most telling detail, the most important detail, is the fact that you know, if you're familiar with the success sequence, right? All this research that is shown: if you graduate from high school, if you wait till 21 to get married, and before having children, only two percent of Black people who meet those criteria live in poverty. Right? This is mm-hmm. called the success sequence. And yet Black Lives Matter says they want to see, they say this openly on their website, they want the destruction of the nuclear family. I mean, I'm sorry, but I don't think anything is going to hurt people, black or white, more than destroying the nuclear family. We're talking to Catherine Gorka, whose piece is up at The Federalist today uh, about the riots in the 60s being a good lesson, uh, teaching a good lesson for what's happening today. Um, You mentioned in your piece that Rand Paul uh, is calling for an investigation um, about how these these riots are so organized and who's paying for it. And there's a tie-in with this and back to the 60s, too, right, with who's paying, where where the money's coming from? Yeah. And the organization? I mean, I think that's, yeah, I mean, he's basically asking the same question that DeWitt Wallace asked Eugene Methvin to research, right? Is this organized? Because we're all starting to suspect that it is. And it's interesting because if you le- if you read the statements of some different mayors or chiefs of police in, in different cities, um, they're seeing evidence that this is being stoked. Um, you know, they're seeing, like, some of the people that they're arresting are coming from faraway places, right? Who's who's doing this? You know, I was at that event coming out of the White House where Rand Paul got attacked, and um, the the guy that I, in the story that I tell, when we walked out of the West Gate, there was this guy riding around like a an, an crazy man on his bike, just F, F-U-ing everybody, right? Mm-hmm. And and eventually he got punched by one of the people who'd been at the event. And, um, you know, we saw the next day on his Twitter feed, this guy was from Portland, right? So what are these people doing coming into these different places and and clearly provoking confrontation? And this is what Rand Paul wants us to get to the bottom of. And it's not just Rand Paul, but it's now 50 members of Congress have signed a letter asking Attorney General Barr to investigate, is somebody organizing this? Is this being instigated and plotted and planned? And Rand Paul actually, uh, as you mentioned in your piece, noticed that there were, but he considered the people, the, the some of the demonstrators slash protesters, or rioters, I should say, on his floor in the hotel. And who's paying for that? Yeah, that was, that was, I think that was the shocker of, of the piece and, and of the evening. Like, where did they come from? <laughs> Why were they in his hotel? I mean, I think he was in the Willard, which is a very expensive hotel. Um, so yeah, I mean, he was, he was with good reason. He was asking what, what's behind this. I have a little less than a minute left and I got to go for the hard break. So I, I want to bail out early, uh, quickly, but, um, one of the things that that this is uh, the, that this group has succeeded in doing, Black Lives Matter, is they have the support of uh, so many um, organizations like the sports leagues. You'll see that tonight on Monday Night Football. I only have about thirty seconds left, but how how, how are you going to turn it around when they're get, getting that kind of support? And really, nobody knows what you were talking about in your piece today. Yeah, exactly. By talking about it, that's the only thing we can do. We have to expose it, talk about it, show the history, show their ties to the history, and also through media and congressional investigation. Catherine Gorka, I really appreciate you you, uh, you coming on the show today, and uh, great piece at The Federalist. I hope everybody checks it out. hope to have you on again. Thank you. Thanks so much. Okay, that's Catherine Gorka, and she is the... Um, Director of the Heritage Foundation Center for Civil Society and the American Dialogue. Good dialogue with her today. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the coming coup with a guy who used to be in Donald Trump's uh, on his security council. We'll be right back. Stick around. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Hurricane Sally is closing in on the Louisiana-Mississippi coast with rapidly strengthening winds of at least 90 miles per hour and the potential for as much as two feet of rain that could bring severe flooding. 
Storm-weary Gulf Coast residents are rushing to buy bottled water and other supplies ahead of Sally, which is expected to reach Louisiana's southeastern tip around daybreak Tuesday, then make its way northward into Mississippi on a path that could menace the New Orleans metropolitan area. Severe storm surge along the coast will be a big problem. Wall Street ended solidly higher today following a burst of big corporate deals. NVIDIA jumped after announcing plans to buy fellow chipmaker Arm Holdings. And Oracle climbed after the business software maker beat out Microsoft to become the tech partner of TikTok. The Dow today gained 327 points. This is SRN News. It's totally normal to be constipated with belly pain, straining, and bloating again and again. No way. Maybe it's occasional constipation. Maybe it's not. You could have a chronic condition called irritable bowel syndrome with constipation, or IBSC. Linzess, or linaclotide, is a prescription that treats IBSC in adults. Linzess works differently than laxatives to help relieve belly pain and let you have more frequent and complete bowel movements. Individual results may vary. Do not give to children less than 6, and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. Maybe it's not occasional constipation. Learn more at linzess.com or call 1-800-LINZESS. You may be able to talk to a doctor online. Visit linzess.com, sponsored by Allergan and Ironwood. Dennis Prager fights to save Halloween. Apparently, L.A. County may ban uh, Halloween trick-or-treating. Do not obey this despicable, stupid, life-suppressing rule from L.A. County. Sick times we live in. Little men with a lot of power. The Dennis Prager Show. Weekdays at noon. Right before Sebastian Gorka at 3 on AM 1250. The Answer. Spending more time inside? J&D Waterproofing can help you breathe a little easier. Protect your family, friends, and pets from mold, dampness, and other unhealthy elements. For over 80 years, J&D has been making Pittsburgh basements very dry and improving indoor air quality with solutions like the Easy Breathe System. Eliminate unhealthy mold and allergy-causing moisture without filters or reservoirs while using less energy than a 40-watt light bulb. Call 1-800-VERY-DRY or visit J. This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. Upon your passing, you wouldn't want a judge to decide who raises your children or how your estate gets divided. It is important to review your estate planning documents to ensure they protect what matters most. At Abernathy and Hagerman, we will work with you to establish an estate plan that nominates a guardian for your minor children and that your assets are used for your family's benefit. Judge for yourself. For legal help that lasts a lifetime, visit a-h.law. Do you wake up in the morning feeling tired like you haven't slept at all? Experience better quality sleep with drug-free RimFresh, the first and only continuous release and absorption melatonin that supports your natural sleep cycle for up to seven hours. With number one sleep doctor recommended RimFresh, get up to seven hours of sleep support. Available at Amazon and at fine retailers nationwide. Individual results may vary. Uses directed. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart or radio.com. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. On the Parkway West, you'll see some delays outbound around Green Tree and then outbound at Montour Run Road, that off-ramp. Montour Run Road shut down through September 24th with construction outbound on the parkway. Ease some volume as you approach the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. Accident 380 at Graham Boulevard. We've also got Mayview Road on a single lane alternating for slide activity between Sky Ridge Drive and Sunset Drive. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, the answer. Weather. Tonight we'll see clear skies. Expect a low tonight of 45. Plenty of sunshine on tap for tomorrow. It will be nice. Tomorrow we'll reach a high of 73. Tomorrow night, clear skies once again. It'll be a little warmer with a low of 52. Mostly sunny skies Wednesday. A little warmer, the high 81.
With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Warning, listening to this program may expose you to toxic masculinity. The John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. Politicians like to tell us every four years that the election coming up is the most important in history, at least the most important in our lifetime. Uh, This time it sure does feel like it's true. Michael Anton is a lecturer and research fellow at Hillsdale College's uh, Washington, D.C. campus. He's also a senior fellow at the Claremont Institute and a former national security official in the Trump administration and the author of The Stakes, America at the Point of No Return. He joins us now. Michael, thanks for being here. Thank you. So the title of your book says uh, we're at the point of no return. Why do you believe we've reached that point? Uh, I believe we've reached that point. I believed that before 2020 and the lockdowns and the riots and all of that, because I think Mm -hmm. that the Democrats got extremely close to a blue electoral majority that would have made the country into a one-party state, New York or California, but nationally coast-to-coast. I think that's what they were expecting would happen in 2016. It's one of the reasons why they were so upset about the outcome of that election is because the uh, transition to one-party rule didn't happen on the schedule they wanted, and they're determined to make sure that it happens now. And I think if they win this election, Biden uh, or whoever is actually running things through various levers of power, including amnestying lots of illegal aliens and and increasing immigration through so-called family reunification, will go out of their way to make sure to tip purple states blue such that it'll make it impossible for Republicans to win anymore, and then the Democrats nationally can govern unopposed. That's what I think is truly at stake in this election. So that explains a lot that... that, uh you know that Hillary Clinton losing was bad enough because they that she was a slam dunk she was going to be the first woman president and she was going to win uh so it's understandable that they would be upset about that because they 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 felt entitled to that but um the fact that they actually believed that it was going to be a total sweep do you believe back in 2016 that they were going to be running everything I with think Hillary they at the so. top This notion has been around for a long time, beginning, well, maybe it even predates this, but we can put a date on it, which is a book that came out in 2002 called The Emerging Democratic Majority. And it basically said, look, because of demographics, Democrats will soon have a majority. It's inevitable that they will have this majority. And um, it's a tide that's coming in over the course of the next uh, 14 years. Democrats really allowed themselves to believe this. And, and, and in, in addition, you know, they, were, they hated Trump, and so they mm-hmm. just thought it's impossible that a guy like him could possibly win. But they also believed that they had inevitability on their side, and they were shocked when it didn't happen. Um, it, you know, in addition to the things that I mentioned that will make the country blue coast to coast, there's the other things that the Democrats are openly talking about now, such as admitting Washington and Puerto Rico as states. So, you know, Washington, D.C. already has three electoral votes. Puerto Rico doesn't have electoral votes. So that would further tip it a little, but also four guaranteed Democratic senators, making it difficult, if not impossible, for the Republicans ever to control the Senate. Getting rid of the Electoral College, uh, they've openly talked about. Well, that basically means that California and New York and, and the big blue cities elect the president. You just do your get-out-the-vote operation in those places, and you ignore Red America entirely. Um, packing the Supreme Court and or limiting the terms of, of members. These are things that they want to do that they, because they know doing those things will give them power. See, that, uh, th- that just sounds so um, un-American to me, everything that you described there. And I, 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 I see these people, you know, the people we've been looking at ad nauseum, like uh, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and Hillary Clinton, people have been around way too long. Um, are they actually that nefarious? I mean, that they, they actually, power is that important to them that they would just completely... Uh, destroy what the, the institutions in America, like the Electoral well, College? they've and- hated these institutions for decades. These are, I don't, all I have to do is quote them. Uh, they've, yeah. they've hated them for decades, uh, and really more than a century, the left concluded that constitutional limits were a problem, because constitutional limits and enumerated powers and separation of powers and things like that um, prevented the implementation of the left-wing agenda, and therefore they had to go. So, yeah, I think absolutely that they, they, they have no compunction about doing any of this. Um, uh, if they did, why would, why would they be talking about it? So, no, I absolutely expect it. See, I, I'm, I guess my problem is I'm, I'm, I, I'm trying to imagine them when they're not on camera 
And when they're talking among themselves, are they, you know, rubbing their hands together and saying, we're going to take this country over and uh, they're going to get rid of this annoying constitution? And uh, I mean, I, I just that's just really terrifying. They're loyal to me that above they're, they're... all to a progressive left wing agenda. And they think that that agenda, if I were to give them the benefit of the doubt or, you know, try to, mm-hmm. you know, try to be as, as charitable as I can. They think yeah. that agenda is good and just and right. And so things that stand in the way of that agenda are bad, and therefore things that stand in the way, including constitutional limits, it's it's okay to get rid of constitutional limits or go around them or change these institutions if that enables the enactment of the agenda. I think that's what they. I think that's because well, that's what they think. That's what they sit around they, talking about. And they know about. what's best for us. So yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's part so, of um, the original idea of progressivism that emerged from the 19th century was there is an expert class that knows best, and they should rule. Everything you've said, it just struck me here, and now that I'm thinking about it, is a really good advertisement for term limits, by the way. Um, well, uh, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm less convinced of that for two, for two reasons. One is that um, term limits did not save my home state of California, right? Term limits were enacted, very strict term limits, in 1990. They're still in place now, and the state just got progressively bluer, woker, more left-wing over time, and more, more um, monolithically democratic. Uh, the other thing is... is um, you know, for constitutional reasons that, uh, you know, would be, I'd have to belabor to your audience, but, you know, as a serious student of the Constitution in grad school, and I teach it now, um, mm-hmm. I, I think the um, uh, founders had a point, right, why they didn't put term limits in there. Uh, but, you know, Washington wisely set a precedent, a precedent of only um, serving two terms, which was held until F- FDR broke it. And, you know, I, I think it's better to you know, follow the founders' wisdom on these questions for a whole lot of reasons. But just keep in mind, term, whatever one thinks, term limits didn't save California. We're talking to Michael Anton. He's a lecturer and research fellow at Hillsdale's College, uh, the Washington, D.C. campus, and a senior fellow at the Claremont Institute. His book is The Stakes, America at the Point of No Return. Uh, they've been laying the groundwork, uh, Michael, to cause a disputed election uh, can the vote by mail fiasco be avoided, or is that uh, is that a road we're already down? I, I, it doesn't look like it. I mean, I'm certainly no expert in this, but in a way, nobody's an expert in this because an experiment of this type and scale and scope has never been attempted before to change the rules of an election literally on the eve of that election. It's just never happened, and so I think we're in, unfortunately, for. Uh, uncharted territory uh, on, on this, and, and I think it could take quite a long time before we know the outcome or, 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 or even know the means for uh, resolving the election. Is it going to be resolved in the courts? Is it going to be, uh, you know, will there be ad- accurate counting that gives everybody confidence? I mean, we just don't know yet. Well, the uh, combination of that, which you just described with the election uh, fiasco, the combination of that with the people you just described is a really scary proposition because, as Hillary said, she doesn't think that Joe Biden should ever concede, whatever that right. means. That was very scary under any circumstances. So I, I don't know about you, but when I hear that, it leads me to believe or fear that that's the plan is to throw the election into chaos, refuse to concede, and then just find a way to litigate or some way, one way or another, to make sure that, that, that uh, no matter how the votes is counted, that Biden ends up being the president. I think that's the plan, and it's, I think it's very scary and cynical. Why do Republicans always lose recounts? Because if they have uh, one, they're going to lose this one. Well, I mean, the one example is Florida in 2000, and, in 2000 sorry, that they didn't yeah. lose. But mostly they lose the recounts because the people counting the votes are Democrats. They're either elected Democratic uh, official, state-level officials, secretaries of state, or they're unelected bureaucrats. But unelected bureaucrats are overwhelmingly on the side of liberalism and of the Democratic Party everywhere in this country. You wrote a piece for the American Mind called The Coming Coup. And the first sentence is, Democrats are laying the groundwork for revolution right in front of our eyes. So yeah. uh, why, why, don't, why don't more people know it? Uh, well, I, I think it's getting around. I hope it's getting around. But, um, but the, you know, the media has, interestingly, you know, the media, they, the Democrats have deliberately put out into the media these notions of, of, of uh, using the military to remove Donald Trump from office and, and so on and so forth. And when they get called out on it by, by me and by other conservatives, they go completely quiet. 
And either the media is silent, which it's mostly been, or a handful of stories have pointed the finger and said, oh, there go those kooky conservatives again with their conspiracy theory. Well, what theory? I mean, I'm just quoting their words right back to them. But it's, it's in their interests to broadcast kind of two messages at once, right? It's in the left's interest to let their side know the game plan, what's going on, so that they play along. Uh, and then it's in their interest to try to pretend to the rest of the American people that this isn't the game plan. Uh, and they're good at, and they're good at uh, pushing two messages at once. Unfortunately, media, they're, pretty, they're, better than, they're better at that than, than we are, unfortunately. And, of course, they have the help of the media. Yes. Oh, the media is 100% behind them on this. And we'll, we'll broadcast whatever message they want and we'll... Um, uh, suppress whatever message they want suppressed. The media is, is, is with them 100%. So is this part of just um, softening us up for the, for the possibility of a, a military coup, that they can you know, uh, well, get enough military uh, people to be critical? I think, no, I, I, yes and no. I think it is to soften us up. Uh, that is to say, it is to get the American people ready for a spectacle that they have never seen before. That is to say... Um, um, a president, you know, perhaps being forced out of office, um, led by armed forces. I mean, they've openly speculated about that. Or yet an, another election. See, in, in Florida, it was a little different because you actually had a result the night of the of the election, right? Five, yep. Bush had a lead of 500 and something. There were no mail-in votes. There, you know, and then they went back and they recounted, but with existing ballots. This will be a, a new spectacle if they are able to say, well. We're still counting ballots. We don't even know how many more ballots are out there, but Trump has to go. We know he lost. They're getting the American people ready to witness something that they've never seen before, and they're trying to push across the message right now that if this happens, it will be Trump's fault. If Donald Trump you know, believes that he's, if he says, I'm the victim of voter fraud here, or uh, I, I dispute this truckload of ballots that came in at the last minute, or what about these votes from, you know, a pro-Trump precinct? If he they're trying to put it in the public mind that if the president says anything like that, it will be him who is cheating and, and, and disrupting the uh, integrity of the election and not them, and therefore he must go. That's what they want people to believe when they do this. And uh, you were in Washington, and you worked uh, in in the Trump administration. And I'm just wondering, um, the, you know, you know the Democrats' motivation, and it wouldn't be surprising to see see them do whatever they can do to get rid of him. But has he made enough enemies among Republicans because he's an outsider and talked about draining the swamp that he has to be concerned about them too teaming up with the Democrats? Uh, uh I. Hmm. I think you've got some of that. I, I doubt that it's enough. I mean, I think that, you know, most of the Republicans in Washington who don't like his agenda, they want to go back and back in time to a more um, chamber of commerce type Republicanism, you know, mm -hmm. low tax deregulation, as opposed to the emphasis on uh, immigration, trade, foreign policy that President Trump has brought. I think most of them know that the party is nonetheless tied. The, the, the party's fate is tied to his. And I, I think most of them know, we'll find out, that the base is united like it has never been. The party is not divided over Donald Trump. The party is, you know, I don't know what it is. It, the number is somewhere in the 90s. Of 96 percent, I've seen, right? yeah. It's, it's, it's even higher than Democratic um, unity around Biden. So they just, they have to know, any Republican who thinks that going along with this is good for his long-term prospects has to know that the base will not tolerate it. Uh, so what does the country look like the day after Donald Trump is removed from the White House by the military? If that were to happen, I think you, you could easily see chaos in the streets. I think you'd see half the country. You know, that's a, that's a good question. I mean, basically, there's two options. One is just passive acquiescence. People go, well, nothing we can do about it. Let's try to get on with our lives. Um, or they could say, you know what, it's, it's too far, too much. I won't, I won't stand for this. And... Um, Change, you know, and, and, and maybe you'd see something, you know, people take to the streets. Um, conservatives are not, you know, street activists the way Democrats are. They just aren't, but they can be riled. So we've seen some uh, nascent conservative protests in, 20, uh, in recent years, for instance, in Virginia, uh, when the newly blue state le elected blue state legislature ran through uh, some very restrictive gun laws, people took to the streets. Now it's a one-off protest, though. Um, we've seen some protests against the, the extended lockdowns. Um, this is the, the great question: is if 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 the if the you know however many millions of people 
there's, it's going to be some, it's going to be big. It's going to be 60, 70 million people, something like that. will vote for the president and you know, whatever portion of the country uh, he gets 45, 48, let's hope 50, but we'll see if they believe that they voted for him and that he legitimately won and that he's been forced out unjustly. Um, they will be angry. Like I said, conservatives are more likely to swallow their anger and to borrow a line from the Declaration of Independence. You know, they're more likely to suffer evils while evils are sufferable than to take the necessary action to right wrongs being done against them. But it's entirely possible that this could be the straw that finally breaks that camel's back and causes conservatives to mass mobilize. I just don't know. I have about a minute left, uh, and I'm up against a break. So what about a Republican sweep? You talked about the a Democrat sweep, you know, House, uh, the White House, the House, and the Senate. Uh, if, would a Republican sweep be enough to delay the inevitable, uh, what you're talking about, or, or could it be a, would it just be delaying the inevitable? It would be inevitable, necessary, would it be but a not sufficient. Up? Necessary, but not sufficient. So we need a Republican sweep, and then we would need, you know, a, a, a successful second term, and then a realignment um, toward Republicans politically, but also along the Trump policy agenda that can build a governing majority that, um, you know, if the Democratic coalition is um, coastal knowledge workers and tech oligarchs and, you know, woke college professors and people like that, plus uh, the urban um, you know, working class or lower, or the you know the people of the lowest rung of the socioeconomic ladder. The Republican coalition has to be middle America, the working classes in middle America, the middle classes in middle America of all uh, of all races and and across industries. If the Republican Party can build that coalition both politically and deliver policy wins to that coalition, then we can avoid this. If not, well, I fear uh, uh, we're going to have to go through something unpleasant. Michael Anton, the book is The Stakes: uh, America. At the point of no return. Some scary stuff there, Michael. Thanks for being on. Hope to have you on again. All right. Thank you. Okay. That's Michael Anton, and we'll be right back. This is Sebastian Gorka. This election in November is the most consequential since 1860. The stakes are high. The battle line's stark. That's why I'm excited to talk to you about Dinesh D'Souza's latest film. It's called Trump Card, and it's an expose of the socialism, corruption, and gangsterism that defines the modern Democrat Party. Whether it's the creeping socialism of Joe Biden or the overt socialism of Bernie Sanders, the film reveals what's unique about modern socialism, who's behind it, why it's evil, and how we can work with President Trump to stop it. Go to watchtrumpcard.com and pre-order your video on demand and DVD. You don't want to miss this important new film by Dinesh D'Souza. Pre-order your DVD and video on demand now at watchtrumpcard.com. That's watch trumpcard.com blue star medicated ointment gets five star reviews from our loyal users for fast relief of the pain and itch of almost any skin irritation blue star soothes insect bites and fungal infections it really works on the summer rashes i get every year i had psoriasis on my elbows blue star worked wonders amazing stuff smear a bit on and the itch is gone look for the white box with the blue star in the first aid section Feel Blue Star work fast or your money back. We're all thinking a lot more about staying safe these days. Windows R Us Pittsburgh is no different. This is John Steigerwald. When it comes to working around your home, Windows R Us remains committed to the safety of you and your family. For roofs, gutters and downspouts, siding, and, of course, windows, Windows R Us Pittsburgh can answer the call. With over 50 years of home remodeling experience, Windows R Us has earned its reputation as the area's premier exterior replacement company. And all work will be done in strict compliance with the government's social distancing guidelines. If you've had damage, you may be eligible for free repair or replacement. Visit windowsrustpittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of their highly trained appraisers. You'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry. From a company that will never skip town when it comes to honoring their warranty, why pay double? Trust the area's premier exterior replacement company. That's Windows or Us Pittsburgh.com. Windows or Us Pittsburgh.com. This is Joe. Joe thinks he's seen it all. Gold-encrusted pork chop? Seen it. Cat with a dog tattoo? 
seen it. But when it comes to identity theft, Joe only monitors his credit and bank statements, so he may not see threats like new loans in his name or his info for sale on the dark web. Didn't see that coming. LifeLock helps detect and works to fix identity theft. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions, but LifeLock spots threats you may not. Oh, now I see what you mean. Save 25% off your first year with promo code SMART at LifeLock.com. I'm United States Surgeon General Jerome Adams, America's doctor. And all across our nation, we've taken steps together to slow the spread of coronavirus. Now we must continue to take personal responsibility to protect ourselves and our loved ones. Because even though not all of us risk a severe case of coronavirus, we all risk getting it and spreading it to others, maybe without even realizing that we're sick. So if we want to get back to school, back to work, back to worship, and back to overall health, there are things our country needs to do. We need to follow state and local guidelines, take extra precautions if at higher risk, wash our hands frequently, stay six feet from others when we can, and when we can't stay six feet from others, please, I'm begging you, wear a face covering. These small actions will make a big difference. So I'm asking you to say it with me, America. Coronavirus stops with me. You can learn more at coronavirus.gov. Produced by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services at taxpayer expense. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Okay, we only have about a minute and a half left here. I just want to say that the um, the, uh, the Steelers and the uh, Giants play tonight at 7 o'clock, coming up in an hour. And uh, I just, they're going to be wearing the name of Antoine Rose on the back of their helmets. I think it might be all of them on the back, the white, little white part at the bottom at the back of their helmets. And I, I'm, I just made the point on Twitter uh, and got a lot of response to it, that uh, it would be nice if the players, in the process of drawing attention to someone like Antoine Rose, would also point out to the kids who look up to them and, and to the kids who they're trying to appeal to and to the other people they're trying to appeal to, it would be nice if they would say, and by the way, uh, Antoine Rose was a, was a passenger in a car on his way to a drive-by shooting. And the victim of the shooting said that Antoine was the guy who was the person who, sh- who shot the gun. And he the, and the policeman was not found guilty. But so maybe a lesson here is to not go for a ride when the purpose of the ride is to do a drive-by shooting. That would be nice. Talk to you tomorrow. The John Steigerwald Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group.